0: Now, this new series uh, is called Clutch because we're trying to kind of get into the season of things, and uh, it's March, and you guys know what March means, right? March. means pollen is in the air. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, it is March Madness. And, you know, here's the deal. March Madness and Pollen, uh, both of these things happen in March, and both of them, like, disagree with me Like, my body was not made to play basketball. Some of you know this. Uh, I am very terrible at basketball. Um, Yeah, like, really awful. If your friends have told you Steve's really bad at basketball, it's true. It's not a rumor. I'm really bad. Think of, think of, like, the worst basketball player you can think of, okay? Got it in your head? Maybe it's, like, your friend. Um, Maybe it's like you, maybe it's your little like three-year-old cousin. Okay. I guarantee you me versus your three-year-old cousin in a game of one-on-one, I don't know who would win. Like there's really no, te- like, that's how bad I am at basketball. Okay. So I'm terrible at basketball, but here's, here's the thing that I actually really, like I can appreciate some things about basketball because basketball, unlike any other sport is, is, is a game of seconds, right? Like things can change in an instant. In fact, like there have been these games where this one team is ahead the entire game, and then in the last couple seconds, the team that's been behind comes out and wins the whole thing. Like These games go back and forth in only a few split seconds, and there are these moments, right? These moments in the game when like everyone's eyes are on this one person, when all the pressure is on and the stakes are high, and in that one moment, it defines whether or not the game is won or lost. In other words, that one moment is like a moment of someone being clutched. When all the pressure's on them, right? Like when all, when all the eyes are on them, when the clock is counting down, and yet still they manage to do something incredible in that moment of great pressure. In fact, I, uh, I saw a video recently, and this was uh, a video of uh, these two basketball teams kind of squaring off, and it was the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And uh, what happens in the last 10 seconds of this gray uh, uh, of this game or of this game either way. Uh of this game is incredible and it just perfectly illustrates what I'm talking about with clutch. So, let's take a look the last 10 seconds of this game. 10 seconds. Yeah, it's a one-point game. So here's what happens, right? The thunder is down by two points, and the clock is counting down. They only have 10 seconds left, and with 10 seconds, the guy sinks a three, and they pull ahead. And we love moments like that, right? Like, I love that video because all the eyes are on him, all the pressure's on him, the stakes are high, the clock is counting down, and yet still, he comes through in the clutch. I also love this video uh, because the video's not over. I don't know if you saw, but uh, the clock actually stopped at 2.3 seconds. So everyone thought the game was over, but basketball is a game of seconds. Watch what happens. We're going to watch the full clip of the last 10 seconds of this game. Check it out. Ten seconds. guy's not too happy about it, right? They thought they were about to pull ahead. They thought it was this incredible moment. And with 2.3 seconds left, only enough time for someone to glance at the clock, then look at the goal and shoot. And yet he got it right. All the pressure was on him. All the eyes were on him. The clock was counting down. The stakes are high. Everyone is watching. And yet he still pulls through in the clutch. And this, and this clip and this whole idea of being clutch kind of brings up a question. And it's a question that this guy with the final 2.3 seconds, this was the question that I'm sure he felt. And maybe it's a question that you felt too. It's this, what do you do when the pressure's on you? Right? What do you do when the pressure's on you? Because whenever the pressure is on you, there's really only two options, right? When the clock is counting down, there's really only two options. One is you can come through in the clutch. Or the other one, is you can choke under pressure, right? What do you do? What do you do when the pressure's on you? In fact, this is gonna be kind of our working definition for what clutch actually means, okay? So clutch is coming through when the pressure's on you. So pretty easy, pretty simple, um, hopefully easy to remember. Clutch is simply coming through when the pressure's on you, right? When all the eyes are on you, when everyone is paying attention to you, when the pressure is high and the clock is counting down, when the stakes are high, clutch is coming through when the pressure's on you. And I'm telling you, we as a culture, we love moments of clutch, right? Like it's the reason that like the last minute half court shot makes it to a YouTube sensation, right? Like it's the reason that in the final 2.3 seconds of the game, people are obsessed with this clip because we love clutch. We love when all the pressure's on and yet somehow someone in the midst of all that pressure and all the eyes being on them, they still manage to come through, come through in the clutch. And here's what you know, right? When the pressure is on you, there is nothing more rewarding than actually coming through in the clutch. But at the same time, there is nothing more devastating than when you fail, right? When all the eyes are on you, when all the pressure is on you, and when the clock is counting down, there is nothing more devastating than when you fail. And I think, I think because we know what's at stake because we know what it feels like to fail when all the pressure and all the eyes are on you, I think because of that, we tend to believe something that may or may not be true about people that are clutch. We tend to think that people that are clutch just have these two ingredients. And here's what I think the ingredients are. We think clutch is luck or talent, right? So the person does something incredible. And we often think that, well, they either lucked into it or they were born into it, right? It's luck or it's talent. That's why whenever you watch a shot like that, sometimes you might look over at your buddy and you're like, well, I mean, he couldn't do that again if he tried, right? Come on, that shot was one in a million. There's no, not, nah, nah, he just, no, he just lucked into that. Because we think being clutch is just about luck. Or maybe, maybe for some of you, you think it's all about talent. You think they were born with it. That's why, that's why when you watch these moments, these incredible moments, you look at the screen and you go, well, you know, some people are born with it and some people aren't, right? Well, he's just he's just got natural ability. That's why he was able to because he was just born with it. That's the way it is. But but come on, think about this. Is being clutch is being clutch really about luck? I mean, is that like is it really that everyone who's clutch is just really lucky? Is it is it that everyone who's clutch is just like really talented? That they just were born with something that the rest of us weren't born with? See, I think deep down, we know that's not the answer, right? Even though we, like our knee-jerk reaction is to think someone who's clutch just has a bunch of luck and a bunch of talent, when it comes down to it, deep down, we know that's not the answer. In fact, when you look at all the clutch plays, all of the plays where these people came through with all the pressure on them, you find one common ingredient, and it's not luck, it's not talent, it's this, hard work. Boo. I don't like that answer. Right? Come on, let's talk about something else, Steve. I don't want to talk about that. But it's true, right? Hard work. Every single person you find that actually comes through in the clutch put in a lot of hard work work and your coaches know this right in fact they constantly remind you of this right they've got these little slogans that they say to remind you that when someone comes through in the clutch it's not luck it's not talent it's hard work in fact I found one recently um uh, maybe you've heard this before hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard right in fact like like you can like picture your coach saying this right he's got the whistle around his neck and he like he's everyone together and he's like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard right? And everyone, you know, they're all like getting together and hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And then like, you've got your lacrosse shirt and it's got that written on the back because coach said it all the time, or maybe you've got it like written on the wall, right? That hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And the reason that coaches say this, and the reason you need to be reminded of this is because we too often think it's all talent or it's all luck. People that come through under pressure, man, it's just, it's just all luck. It's all talent. But then we find this, that it's actually hard work. And the truth is you and I face pressure all the time. And it's not just on the basketball court, right? That's not on the lacrosse field. It's not on the football field. We face pressure sometimes like with our family, with our friends. And so, and so here's the question I want to go after tonight in life not in basketball, but in life, how do you come through when the pressure on you? Like in life, how do you come through when the pressure's on you? Because we know what it's like to face pressure, right? Some of you are facing pressure right now with your family. Because it seems like no matter what you do, it's like your parents just can't see eye to eye, you and your parents, and so it's like you're yelling at them or they're yelling at you. You guys fight all the time. And you feel all this pressure because maybe they want you to be someone that you don't feel like you are. And they're, they're putting all these expectations on you. And you're like, mom and dad, it's just too tough. Maybe you feel pressure at school. Maybe you feel pressure from your teachers, from your coaches. Maybe, maybe you feel pressure from your friends because your friends want you to do something that you know you shouldn't do, but all of them are doing it. And so you're feeling that pressure, peer pressure, and the pressure's on you. So how do you actually come through? Or maybe for some of you, it's the guy that you're with or the girl that you're with. And he or she wants to do something that you know you shouldn't do, but, but you kind of want to do it too. And so you're feeling the pressure and you know what it's like to make the right decision. You know what it's like to come through in the clutch, but all the pressure is on you. So how do you actually come through? Because in life, in life, there is nothing more rewarding than actually making the right decision and coming through in the clutch when all the pressure is on you. And there's nothing more devastating than when you fail. So how do you do this? How do you come through when the pressure's on you? In fact, this is, this is a question that a guy named the Apostle Paul was actually wrestling with, and he actually wrote about this specific topic. So I want to look together at what he said to his good buddy, Timothy. And so we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is on page 1194, page 1194. We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And while you guys are turning there, I want to, I want to tell you a little bit about what they were dealing with. See, because a lot of people in Paul's day, this this might seem crazy to you, but a lot of people thought that to be clutch in life, like to have to have a good life where you make all the right decisions you know you want to make, to have a close relationship with God, to do all the things with God that you know you should do, some people actually believed that some people were born with it and some people weren't, right? Some people are just more spiritual than others. Some people aren't. In fact, some people are just born into the right families and some people aren't. And so a lot of people were coming up to Paul and saying, well, I'm, I'm not close to God because I just wasn't born into the right family. Well, well, I'm not close to God because my circumstances aren't working out well. In fact, come on, let's be honest. Some of you have looked at your friends and you're like, well, well, they're close to God because of the family they're in. Well, I mean, if they had to deal with what I'm dealing with, then they wouldn't be as close to God as they actually are. And so a lot of people during Paul's day were coming up to him and saying, dude, the reason, like, like I'm not close to God because I wasn't born to the right family. And Paul actually called these like myths. He said, that's not true. That's a myth. In fact, this is, this is what he says in verse seven. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. And this is what he's talking about. He's saying, I know that people are like spreading this rumor that like the only way to be close to God is if you were born into the right family, or some people are just more spiritual than others, or some people just have better circumstances. And Paul's saying, that's not true at all. Have nothing to do with that. But rather, here's his answer. Rather, train, train, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. See, some people think that your relationship with God, your growth, your ability to come through under pressure is based on luck or talent. And Paul's saying, no, it's neither of that. It's training. It's hard work. And then he goes on. He says this for physical training is of some value. He's saying, come on, you know what it's like, right? You know what it's like to play basketball. You know what it's like to play lacrosse. You know what it's like to play football. You know that it's not luck. It's not talent. It's hard work. And so he says, physical training, you know, this physical training is of some value, but godliness works the same way. He's saying godliness is exactly the same way that it works with basketball or lacrosse or football. Godliness has value for all things. In other words, look, when you're playing a game and all the eyes are on you and all the pressure is on you and the stakes are high, what's at stake is a win or a loss, right? I mean, Maybe at most, it's whether or not you advance to the next round. And Paul is saying, guys, guys, listen, like, what's at stake in your life is a relationship. Maybe a relationship with your best friend. Maybe a relationship with God. Maybe it's years of regret. Maybe it's a life that you never wanted to live. That's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. And so he's saying, guys, you got to listen. Godliness is value for all of those things. Not just the few things you see in sports, but all those things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. In other words, this is what he's saying. Daily training leads to godly triumph. Daily training leads to godly triumph. It's a daily training thing that actually leads to the relationship with God that you want to have. It's daily training that leads to the life that you've always wanted. It's daily training that allows you to come through in the moment of clutch. And see, this is backwards from what we normally think, right? Some of you, some of you think you got to be born to the right family. Some of you think you got to have the right circumstances. Others of you in the room think, well, I'm going to be close to God when I have one of those moments, right? Right? I mean, I got to have one of those moments and maybe for you, you think the moment's going to be at M12, right? That like one day at M12, they're going to like play that song and it's going to get to the really like loud part of the song and then I'm going to feel God. And then once I feel God, then I'm going to be close to God and I'm going to have a great relationship with God. So I'm just waiting for that moment. Or maybe for some of you, you've heard these stories and you're like, dude, I've heard of people having these like, you know, near death experiences or like something happened in life and it woke them up. And I'm just waiting for the, uh, you know, one of those moments. And then once I have one of those moments, then I'm going to be close to God. And so you're waiting for this one moment in time. And Paul's saying it doesn't work that way. It's not a moment in time. It's a moment every day. See, it's daily training. That leads to godly triumph, and so this is this is what it looked like for me when I um, when I was twelve years old. I accepted Christ as my Savior, and uh, my my student pastor um, he 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 told me that you know to have a close relationship with God uh, it means you got to like spend time with him, right? I mean, because this is the way it works with any relationship. Like, if you want to be close to someone, you got to spend time with them. I mean just for a second, think about like your best friend, right? Like, like like, the person that like you never leave their side. They're always next to you. They're probably next to you right now, right? Your best friend. Like you didn't become best friends with them the moment you saw them. It's not like you were like, hey, what's up? My name is, oh my gosh, we're best friends. This is amazing. I can't believe, I met her and now we're best friends. Okay, we're- and then you like tell her all your secrets, right? Come on, it doesn't work that way. Instead, instead, maybe you meet her or you meet him and then you hang out for a little bit and then, and then maybe you like, you like do something together and then you're like texting one another, Snapchatting, tweeting at one another, right? And then and then before long, there are these like inside jokes, and then like you go on like the family trip with her family or his family, and you know, she goes on the family trip with your family, and then like after many years, all of a sudden your best friends, and that didn't happen in an instant, right? It took time. And so he was telling me, like, hey, so you know, you you just began a relationship with Christ. And like any relationship, it takes time. And so, and so what you want to do is you wanna spend time with God. Every day. And so what that looks like is, you know, um reading scripture, which is kind of the way God talks to you. And then it's praying, which is kind of the way that you talk to God. And so he said, So, you know, what what you want to do is you want to you want to like take your Bible and you want to read and then you want to pray. And just do that. And so I uh and so what I would do is I would. I would read like a, a passage of scripture and then I would ask two questions. I would ask God, I would say, God, um, what do these verses say about me? right? What is it here that is kind of telling me something about me that maybe I didn't know? And then what do these verses say about you? And I would read that. And, uh, and then I would, I would write down those answers in like a journal, kind of like this. So I'd have a journal, and I would, I would write down the answers to these questions, right? So what do these verses say about, you know, me? What do these verses say about God? And then I would write down the answers. And then I would pray. And here's what I found. I found out, uh, and many of you know this, uh, I found out that I'm like crazy ADD. Like, I'm just, I just get lost in my own head. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Right? Like, where, where and so I don't know if you found this, and maybe this is going to be a relief for you. I try like, I tried praying in my head you know how people say, just pray this in your head? So I tried praying in my head, and here's how the prayer would go. I was like, dear God, thanks for this day. Uh, it was actually a really good day. Like, the sun was out, and then uh, oh, and then that girl came by. Oh, my gosh, that girl came by. And then I wonder if she likes me. And I'm not praying to God anymore. I'm just like randomly ADD, like, ooh, that's a shiny thing, right? Like, that's that's how my prayers were going. So it really... It really did not work well. Uh, And so I was like, well, I'm like ADD, but when I talk out loud, when I talk out loud, I can form like sentences. And so I was like, maybe I could pray out loud. But I live with like four other people, like with my parents and my two brothers. And that's a little weird, you know, when all the family's hanging out in the living room and then Steve's upstairs in his room and we don't know who he's talking to, but he's talking out loud. That's a little weird. And so I was like, I can't really do that. Um, And I want to pray and I want to talk to God, but I can't say it out loud. And I can't say it in my head because I'm so ADD and I just get distracted all the time. So then, so then I thought, well, what if I just like wrote down my prayers here and so I would read scripture and I would write down the answers to those questions. And then I would pray on paper, kind of like, you know, kind of like sending a text message or, or a tweet, and that I would tell God kind of what I was thinking and I would pray in my journal. And so, and so that's kind of the way it looked where I accepted Christ and then I opened up my Bible and I would read scripture and then I would ask those questions and I would write it down. And then the next day. I'd wake up and I'd read scripture and then I'd, you know, ask those questions and then I would pray. And then the next day I'd spend time with God and I would, I would read scripture and then I would pray. And then the next day I would, you know, open up scripture and I would read and I would pray. And then the next day, and, and I just kept doing that day after day. And so a lot of times for, for students, we think, we think that like your relationship with God is developed in an instant. But I want to show you a little bit of what my relationship with God looks like. So this is the journal that I use right now that I'm going through. So I'll just put that right here. And then I've got a few more from years past. And... uh, I still got a few more. Hold on. This was uh this this was the first one. Actually my my student pastor gave this to me. Um so this is the first one I had. There's a few more. Almost done. And so, um, so a lot of students think that it happens in an instant. But this didn't happen in an instant. It happened day after day, page after page. I actually want to read a few of them to you, if that's okay. Um, I, uh, let's see, this one I think is from. This is good. This is from two thousand one. I know I'm so old. Okay. Uh, this was this was uh, this from 2001. Um, uh, I put uh, so this is the first thing. God, you're awesome. So some of you may wonder how long I've been saying awesome. It's been for a while. Uh, so God, you're awesome. And then I said this. I said, God, help me never again. Seek selfish ambition. Help me never again yell at my family because I'm mad at schoolwork. Help me never again be ashamed to praise you. Uh, And then there's a verse in scripture I I put, I press on towards the prize, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. God, it's all about you. So fill me day by day till I'm stronger and more filled with you. I don't want anything else. Get myself away from me. Um, let me have fun, uh, but let it all be about you. Using each moment to praise you. So that's what that's from 2001. Um, I want to get one a little bit more uh, more recent. This is from uh, this is actually from uh, 2010. Um, keep my Keep my attention on you. I want to be eager to jump on the projects that you start. Show me what it means to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. Most of all, I need a renewed sense of love for my heavenly father. I believe it's that love for you that will actually push me towards action. So help me love you more. Um, And then... Uh, let me do another one right here. This is um, God, uh, th- This is from 2004. God, I need you desperately every day, every night. Um, though I try to depend on others, on my friends, uh, help me realize that you are my only need. You are my only crutch, and I can't walk without you. So help me live like that. And then I want to share. Um, I want to share one more. This is from. Uh, yeah, this is from two thousand three. And uh, uh, some of you know this, some of you don't. Uh, in 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 two thousand three, I actually had a collapsed lung, which is crazy, and uh, I, ha- I had to get surgery. And when you're a student, and I was a student at the time, when you're a student, you think that every surgery, um, like you think there's like a negative 3% chance that you're going to live. And they're like, I'm about to die. No matter how safe the surgery is, you're like, I'm going to die. This is it. I'm going into surgery. And so I kind of, I kind of walked into it with a little bit of that, of that attitude, but I want to, I want to read this to you. This is from, uh, it's from July of 2003. God protect me tomorrow as I go in for surgery. Uh, I need you only. Help me to be close to you. God, I want to be closer to you than I am right now. So while I'm sick and in the hospital, uh, I want to grow with you. And if it's your will for me to die, then I can't wait to be with you. Because this life is pointless without you. God, you are real, and emptiness consumes the places where you are not. So fill me up and make me whole. I need you alone. And see, a lot of people would look at surgery or a big moment like that as like, that was a big moment in time. But the only reason that this prayer happened was because of this. Because it was every day. Meaning, days when I was really tired... I still spent time with God, days when, when I was, like, so aggravated with my parents, and so aggravated with school, I still spent time with God. Days when I felt like it, I spent time with God. Days when I didn't feel like it, I spent time with God. Days when, like, my friends wanted me to hang out, I spent time with God. Days when, like, I felt lonely, I spent time with God. But it was daily. There's daily training. And my relationship with God did not develop in an instant. And your relationship with God will not develop in an instant. And to have the ability to come through in the clutch when all the pressure is on you takes time because your relationship with God takes time. And so to be close to God, it's daily training. It's daily when you feel like it and when you don't. When your friends are mad at you and when your friends are happy with you, when you really want to and when you really don't, daily spending time with the Lord. So this is my question for you. Will you commit to daily training? And uh, commit is a word that I want us to focus on because this is not easy Because other things get in the way and your friends will call you and there's a lot of other stuff in life that happens. Will you commit to daily training? And it could be five minutes every day. It could be 10 minutes every day. There were some times that I spent time with God and it was two minutes every day. There were other times where it was an hour or two hours. The time doesn't matter. It's daily spending time with my heavenly father who loves me. Daily spending time with Jesus who died for me. Spending time with the Holy Spirit that fills me daily. And so this is what I think it could look like. This is what daily training could look like. And if you don't know where to begin, this is what I would recommend for you. Um, Daily training every day, read one chapter of Luke. Just one. Okay? So don't try to read the whole thing. Don't try to read the whole Bible in like a month. Like don't do that. Just one chapter. That's all, just one chapter of Luke. And then when you read it, I want you to ask these two questions, ask God. So not me, not yourself, ask God. And if you don't feel comfortable talking with God, great. Just ask him, just, just, this may be your only prayer and that's okay. So just say, God, I don't, you know, I don't really know who I'm talking to, but okay, let's try this. God, and this is your first question. God, what do these verses say about me? What do these verses say about me? Because oftentimes I'll be reading scripture and, uh, and I'll see something in there that I'm guilty of. And until I read it, I didn't know I was guilty of it. And then I read it and God's like, nah, that's true of you. And so ask this question, God, what do these verses say about me? And then, and then I want you to ask this question, God, what do these verses say about you? Because some of you, some of you don't know who God is. Some of you think God is out to get you. Some of you think God is all about the rules and you got to do, you know, this every, you know, every single time. And you don't know that your father in heaven loves you more than you can possibly imagine. You don't realize the great lengths that God went through to be with you. So God, what do these verses say about me? And God, what do these verses say about you? And do this every day. Now, Luke has 24 chapters in it. So if you do this every day, that means you'll be doing it for the next 24 days. Here's the cool thing. Scientists have said that you build a habit when you do something every day for 21 days. So we have an extra three days just to make sure that habit's in there. So if you commit to doing this for the next 24 days, what's happening is you are building a habit of spending time with your heavenly father who loves you so much. And the icing on the cake is this. If you start tonight then you will finish with the book of Luke right when spring break starts. So it's like your celebration of like, I did it, and then you got a week off, okay? And so do this for the next 24 days. And just imagine. Imagine what God could do. Some of you have felt distant from God. Some of you feel like, I don't know how to grow with God. I'm telling you, this is it. Daily training leads to godly triumph and to have a relationship with God that takes time is page after page, day after day. So let me pray for you. God, I am uh, I'm so grateful for these students. And I remember uh, when I was 12 and Jeff McCammon talked me through uh, what it looked like to spend time with you and, and how, um, you know, even even when you're not feeling like it, just just talk to God a little bit and um, and then read a little bit of what he has to say to you. And that has forever changed my life and my closeness to you. It's not based on a moment in time. It's not because I was born into a family. It's not, it's not because people around me were doing it. It's not because of luck or talent. It's because of daily training. Like Paul said, training in godliness that led to a relationship with you where I am so happy to be close to you. And so I pray for these students that they would make a commitment and they would stick to it. And for the next 24 days, they would spend time with you. And I want to ask you this, um, and I, I, I need you to do this, please. When they carve out time to meet with you, God, would you meet with them? Would you show up? because I know a lot of them are going to be scared to do this and they don't really know how to do this and they're unsure if they're like doing it right. God, I pray that you would meet with them and they would begin to hear your voice and they'd begin to recognize just how much you love them. I pray that you would show them things about themselves they didn't know and that you would show them things about you God, strengthen them as they make this commitment. We need you to do this. And so we ask you to please help. In Jesus' name, amen.